Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. How are you all doing? Did you review the du'as? Yeah? Did you read them to one another? Every single person? Huh? Okay, alhamdulillah. Uh, what about the first du'a? Allahumma ba'id bayni. Did you read that? To one another? Not today? Okay. When are you going to have your groups next? Okay, so inshallah on Monday, uh, make sure that everybody reads Allahumma ba'id bayni du'a. Okay? Who's your group in charge? You are the group in charges, you know that. Because in the hadith course, always the students are made the group in charges. Okay? In the sense that everybody has to hold one another accountable. Okay? So it's the responsibility of every single one of you to make sure that people who are in your class, either they read the du'a to you or you read the du'a to them. When you're sitting together and reviewing, so make sure you do that inshallah. So the first du'a, Allahumma ba'id bayni, as well as the du'as that were reviewed today. Okay? Inshallah. And the dua istiftah for tahajjud, inshallah, we'll memorize them at another time. You can, there's no harm, because it is a dua of istiftah. But generally, you know, in the five daily prayers, a person doesn't have that much time. Right? Because there's either work that he needs to do himself, or people are waiting for him. But if you have that time, then go ahead, why not? But tahajjud, because the qiyam is long, the rukur is long, the sujood is long, so dua istiftah is also long. Okay? You say the takbir and then you join them wherever they are. When there is a jama'ah going on and people are not in qiyam, let's say they are in ruku or in sujood or in tashahud, and you wish to join them, then what do you do? You go join the salah first and then you say the takbir in order to enter the salah and then you go in the position that the imam is in. Okay? You don't start with the qiyam. Okay? Because you have to follow the imam. And following the imam means not doing something before the imam or or uh, much after the imam, but immediately after, along with him, almost. Okay. So in order to follow the imam properly, you have to go in the position that he is in. When you join the imam in rukur or in sujood or in tashahud, then uh, then according to one opinion, if you join in rukur, then you have to make up the entire rakah. Why? Because you miss the qiyam, you miss suratul fatiha, and without suratul fatiha, rakah is not complete. Okay. There are some other questions also. One question was that when coming up from the first tashahud, do we say the takbir while we are coming up or when we raise the hands before? Uh, Surah Al-Fatiha So when you're getting up from Tashahud or from Sajda Into Qiyam When is it that you raise your hands? It is, you know, when you're coming into standing position Every part of your body is being positioned Somewhere or the other Okay. So your hands, where should they go? Straight up, in Takbir You understand? Not that a person stands up first and the hands are On the side, or a person Stands up and the hands are, you know, floating Somewhere, no as you get up, instantly your hands go where? You know, your back is straightened, your eyes are focused, and at the same time, your hands go up in takbir. Okay? Uh, and then after that, you say, uh, Surah Al-Fatiha. Yes. When you get up from sajda, okay, when you get up, you start saying, Allahu Akbar. Okay? And remember, we learned earlier that it's not necessary that it's, you know, precisely with the action. Uh, you know, obviously there's going to be you know, a second or two missed here or there. So there's no big deal. As you're getting up from sajda, you say, Allahu Akbar. It's possible that you finish saying Allahu Akbar by, by, by the time you are, you know, standing. 
or it's possible that you're still saying part of it, no big deal. Okay. Uh, another question was that while praying behind the imam in the silent prayers, so in the sirri prayers, so for example, Zuhr and Asr, are we uh, supposed to read a surah after Surah Al-Fatiha or should we remain silent? What's the answer? In the first two rakah, you have to read. Okay, because everyone will read Surah Al-Fatiha and another surah themselves. And in the second two rakah, what should the people do? Only Surah Al-Fatiha. The Imam will read silently and the people will read silently. Okay. Another question that when coming up from Sajda, when we say the, tak- the, the Takbir, do we say Takbir before Jalsa? Between Sajda and Qiyam or after the Jalsa? I don't understand this question. So whoever uh, wrote this question, please do either write it again or explain the question to me. Okay. Alright, shall we begin our lesson? نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي ربنا زدنا علما إن شاء الله we'll begin from باب وضع الأكف على الركب في الركوع these abwab are about the rukur so when a person goes down into rukur so far we have learned that in order to go to rukur what does a person say الله أكبر Okay, now when you go down into Rukur, where are the hands supposed to be? Because in every position, every Rukun of Salah, we have been instructed as to where the hands should be, where the feet should be, how every part of the body should be. So, obviously hands are a major part. So where should the hands be? So, what do you know? Where should the hands be in Rukur? On the knees. Okay, but how should they be on the knees? Should they be just loosely placed on the knees or should they be holding knees or should they be holding the knees tight? How should the hands be positioned on the knees? وَقَالَ أَبُوْ حُمَيْدٍ فِي أَصْحَابِهِ Abu Humayd said to his companions, meaning amongst his companions he said this, that أَمْكَنَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَدَيْهِ مِنْ رُكْبَتَيْهِ that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he amkana his hands where rukbatayhi on his knees. Now, what does the word amkana mean? Hmm? Okay, to place, but how? Kadalika makanna li Yusuf settle firmly establish. Okay, so highlight this word amkana. This is the key that you don't just put your hands on the knees. But you have to firmly place them such that you're almost grabbing the knees. So it's almost as though you are holding your knees with your hands. Why? Is there a difference between just placing the hands on the knees and holding the knees? What's the difference? It helps you have better balance. When you hold your knees, then you have better balance in that position. Whereas if you're just... Placing your hand, it would be difficult to stand in that position. A person can lose balance and almost fall. Okay? So holding the knees gives a person more stability in that position. Now, this hadith Imam Bukhari mentions later uh, in, in full. Over here, he just mentions it briefly. And later on, it is mentioned in full. حدثنا أبو الوليد قال حدثنا شعبة عن أبي يعفور قال سمعت مصعب بن سعد يقول he said so مصعب بن سعد he said يقول صليت إلى جنب أبي he said I performed the prayer where إلى جنب أبي what is جنب 
side. So I prayed next to my father. Who's the father of Mus'ab bin Sa'ad? Sa'ad. Who? This is Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas. So a companion of the Prophet ﷺ. His son is saying, I prayed next to my father. And when I was praying, فَطَبَّقْتُ طَبَّقْتُ I joined from طَبَّقَفْ طَبَقًا عَن طَبَقْ طِبَاق Layers. Okay? So like a stack. سَبَعَ سَمَوَاتٍ طِبَاقًا In layers, one over the other, stacked. So when things are put one over the other, they are joined together. Okay? One is placed on top of the other, so they are joined together. So he said that طَبَّقْتُ I joined together, what? بَيْنَ كَفَيَّ Between my two palms. So basically he joined both his hands together. How? That his palms were touching. And summa then, وَضَعْتُهُمَا I placed both of them بَيْنَ between فَخِدَيَّ My thighs. He said that he joined his palms together and he placed them where? Between his thighs. This is what he did. فَنَهَانِ أَبِي So he said, my father stopped me. وَقَالَ And he said, كُنَّا نَفْعَلُهُ Even we used to do this before. فَنُهِينَا عَنْهُ But we were stopped from it. We were forbidden from it. وَأُمِرْنَا And we were commanded النَّضَعَ That we should put أَيْدِيَنَا Our hands على الرُّكَبْ On the knees. So what do we learn? That the Sahaba used to do this before. That this is how they would be in Rukur. This is where they would position their hands between the thighs and joining both the hands together, both the palms to touch. Okay? This is how they would do it. Now you might wonder why. Either because this is how they, they used to pray before, or because when you're watching somebody from behind, like they watched the Prophet ﷺ from behind, it's not necessary that you know they understood that this is how you're supposed to put your hands. Some companions perhaps knew and others did not know. Okay, But when the Prophet ﷺ saw them doing this, what do we learn? He stopped them. He stopped them. This is not what you should do. Rather, you should put your hands on your knees. Now, this hadith, what does it teach us? First of all, it teaches us where the hands should be in rukur. And secondly, it teaches us that we cannot follow our own desire in salah. That just because we find you know, placing our hands somewhere more convenient or more easy, uh, we should do that. No. We have to follow precisely, exactly what the Prophet ﷺ taught us. So for example, in tashahud, a person might say, you know what, I just feel like sitting uh, cross-legged. It, you know, I find it easy to sit like that. Cross my legs. You know, I, I find it easy to sit like that. No, you can't do that. Unless there's a genuine reason that you cannot sit properly in tashahud and the only other option you have is sit cross-legged, that is a different situation. But you can't say that, oh, in tashahud you're sitting, so instead of sitting like this, I'm going to sit cross-legged. No, we cannot do that. Likewise, when a person is standing, he cannot say, oh, you just have to put your hands on your chest, right? So I'll just put them you know, upwards or downwards or I'll clasp my fingers together or, you know, I will just put them under my belly. No, you can't do that. If a description has been given of a particular action, then we have to do that. We have to follow. Alright? Bab, إِذَا لَمْ يُتِمَّ الرُّكُورِ إِذَا when لَمْ يُتِمَّ 
he does not complete a ruku'ah, the ruku'ah. Meaning, if a person does not do the ruku'ah properly, if he does not perform it correctly, is it a problem? Is it a problem? Yes, it is. And by this, we also understand that the same applies to sajda. That if ruku'ah has to be performed correctly, then sajda also has to be performed correctly. حدثنا حفص بن عمر قال حدثنا شعبة عن سليمان قال سمعت زيد بن وهب قال he said رأى حذيفة حذيفة رضي الله عنه he saw رجلا أمان that لا يتم الركوع who was not completing the ركوع والسجودة and the sujud meaning when he would go down into ركوع he would go down into سجدة he would not complete them he would not perform them properly قال he said, meaning Hudayfa, he said, مَا صَلَّيْتَ You have not performed the prayer. Your prayer is not valid. It is as though you have not performed the salah. وَلَوْ مُتَّ And if you died, meaning performing salah like this, مُتَّ عَلَى Then you would die on غَيْرِ الْفِطْرَةِ On other than fitra. أَلَّتِي فَطَرَ اللَّهُ That which Allah Fatara Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now the question is, what does it mean by fitra over here? Fitra over here can be understood as deen, religion, because that is the the, the religion that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was taught. Right? Uh, this is deen of fitra. The religion is of fitra. And what is fitra? A natural religion, meaning a practical one, something that is possible for people to observe and follow. And fitra over here can also be understood as sunnah. It can also be understood as sunnah. Why? Because in a hadith we learn that khams min al-fitra. There are five things which are from the fitra. Five actions which are from the actions of fitra. Natural. Amongst them, clipping of the nails and trimming the unnecessary hair of the body. Right? And uh, over there, fitra, what does it mean? Sunnah. This was the way of the Prophet ﷺ. This was also the way of Ibrahim salam. Okay? So, Fitra gives meaning of deen or it gives the meaning of sunnah. In either case, what did Hudayfa say? That if you died in this condition, then you would die not on the right religion. Because religion is based on what? Salah. Right? Five pillars of Islam. After shahada, what is most important? Salah. What is the difference between a Muslim and a Kafir? Salah. Salah is the sign of a Muslim, of a believer. And if a person is not performing the salah properly, then he's not performing the salah. Even if he calls it salah, even if he thinks that's not salah. Now, yes, there are certain, uh, you know, actions with regards to which there is some, uh, you know, room of, of, of difference. So for example, when a person is getting up from rukur, okay, where should the hands be? Should they be on the sides or should they be placed on the chest? There are two opinions and both of them are valid. Okay? So there is a, you know, difference over there, difference of opinion. And if a person follows either way, it's okay. It's not a big deal. But there are certain actions with regards to which there is no difference of opinion. They have to be observed. Like what? Rukur. Like what? Like sajda. They have to be performed properly. And if a person is leaving them out completely, like there are some people who say they are praying salah, and they just sit and just do certain actions and they call it salah, that is not salah. Salah is what? That which the Prophet ﷺ taught. And that includes rukur and it includes sajda.
So in this hadith we see that this man was not completing the rukur and sujood as though he was not performing the rukur and sujood. How was he not completing it? As if he was barely going down and getting up. Or not even going down completely. And he just got up. Like sometimes it happens that people just bend slightly forward. They don't even go into rukur position. They just bend slightly forward and they get up. And they go into such the how that they just barely touch the ground and they get up again. Or their position is not correct. So from this hadith, what do we see? The importance of completing the rukur, completing the sajda. And when will they be complete? That a person goes completely in the position of rukur, completely in the position of sajda. He becomes still over there and then he gets up. The hands are placed where they should be placed. So in rukur, on the knees, in sajda, on the ground. The feet are where they should be. باب استواء الظهر في الركور استواء الظهر استواء means to straighten الظهر the back so keeping the back straight في الركور in the ركور how will the ركور be completed Imam Bukhari elaborates over here with another باب that the back should be straightened it should be kept straight meaning it should not be curved it should not be such that a person is bending too much. Okay? No. It should be straight. Straight meaning to the best of one's ability. To the best of one's ability. Now you see, in order to straighten the back, what has to be straight? Your legs have to be straight. But sometimes when we don't stretch our bodies too much, then it's difficult to go in the position of rukur properly. But you know what? The more you straighten your legs and bend forward, the easier the rukur becomes. The easier the rukur will become and the more flexible your body will be. And sajda will become easy. Qiyam will become easy. Many times it happens in the month of Ramadan that people begin complaining of back ache, leg ache. Why? Why? Because they are performing qiyam, they are performing rukur. More rukur than usual. So that means more stretching of the back and more stretching of the legs. Okay, straightening of the legs. And this is why it hurts. But this shows to us that we are doing something wrong on a regular basis. Because if we were performing the salah correctly, then our back, our leg would not hurt. Obviously there will be fatigue. That's a different situation. But pulling your leg muscle and you know hurting your back seriously, that shows that there is a problem. Okay? So in order to straighten the back, what is best? Straighten the legs. Okay? And also, stretch out the arms. Stretch out the arms in the sense that extend them. Because if they are not extended, then you won't be able to stretch out your back, you won't be able to stretch out your legs. And it begins with the feet. The feet have to be firmly placed. Okay? And the stretch should begin from the feet, up, you know, your legs, and then all the way to your Shoulders almost. And not just to your shoulders, to your hands almost. So it's a complete stretch. Complete stretch. Body stretch. And it's actually very, very good even for your health. I mean for your body in general. Okay? In yoga there's a particular position which is called downward dog. Okay? In which the feet have to be, you know, firmly placed on the ground and the hands have to be firmly placed on the ground at the same time. The knees should not be bent and the back should be you know, as straight as possible. 
And in that, there's a complete stretch, you know, back stretch, all the way from your feet to your knees to your, you know, even your back, shoulders, your arms, your hands, your entire back is being stretched out. And this is one of the major positions that a person has to be in in order to warm up the body for more exercise. Okay? So if you think about it in Rukur, you do this all the time. So if you do your Rukur properly, really, uh, you're doing a lot of good to your body. A lot of good to your body. Your body will be more fit, more strong, inshallah. I remember this uh, yoga instructor once, I was taking a few lessons and she was amazed. She's like, how come your body is so flexible? I'm like, because this is what we do all the time. She couldn't understand how, you know, a person who had never done any, you know, formal exercise training and had nothing. She was amazed at how these positions, I, I could do them so easily without complaining. So I explained to her and she saw me praying salah multiple times and she was blown away, like completely. She was amazed that this is even possible. And many women, they complain that through pregnancy, it's difficult for them to do rukur, it's difficult for them to go into sajda. But the fact is that if you keep performing your salah properly, it will keep your body in very, very good you know, health, inshallah. Because it happens with many women that they get these cramps you know, in their legs, severe cramps in their legs. And what is it that you're told to do? Don't scream at that time, stretch your leg. Stretch your leg. And one of the best things to do is, as much as it hurts, go into Rukur position. Go into Rukur position. When you go into Rukur position, your cramps in your legs and your back, they will go away eventually. This is very true. That people who perform their salah properly, in older age also, they're more physically mobile. They're physically more fit. Why? Because their body is in, you know, in good health. So, istiwa'i al-dhahri fi rukur Keeping the back straight in rukur And also if you think about it, when the back is straight, the legs are straight, that shows more humility compared to a rounded back, okay, a curved back, or, you know, in which a person is just lightly bending forward. It's as though a person doesn't really want to bend. It seems arrogant. Hmm? So, keeping the back straight in rukur وَقَالَ أَبُو حُمَيْدٍ فِي أَصْحَابِهِ Abu Humayd said to his companions that رَكَعَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم رَكَعَ Meaning he went down into Rukur. ثُمَّ then حَصَرَ He bent ظَهْرَهُ his back. He bent it, meaning he bent it straight. So he went down into Rukur, and then he bent his back, meaning he lowered it, almost pulled it forward in order to Straighten the back. So sometimes it happens that with some people, they just go naturally, you know, into that straight back position. And at other times, you have to position yourself. So if you have to position yourself into the straight back position, go ahead, take your time, but do it. Do it properly. Take your time, but do it properly. So the Prophet ﷺ, he went into Rukur, he uh, bent his back straight in order to Make the ruku istiwa. Bab haddi itmam al-ruku'i wal-i'tidali fihi wal-itma'nina. Notice one thing. The previous bab, istiwa il-dhahri fi ruku there is no complete hadith. Imam Bukhari is just mentioning a portion of the hadith that will be mentioned uh, you know, later on in full. Why? Because this book is not just a book of 
hadith. It's a book of fiqh also. Okay? In which Imam Bukhari takes his proofs from the statements which are in the Quran, also the statements of the companions, statements of the scholars. Okay? Bab haddi itmam al ruku'i wal i'tidali fihi wal itma'nina. Haddi. What does had mean? Limit. And limit also gives the meaning of extent, the extent of something. Meaning the maximum. Itmam al ruku'i. Itmam, completing. Ar-Rukur, the Rukur. What is the had, the limit of complete Rukur, meaning of a correct Rukur? What is the limit? What kind of limit? Meaning the length. How long should it be? How long should a complete Rukur be? Because complete Rukur, there's two things to it. First of all, correct position. Okay, correct position. And secondly, its length. How long is it? When both are correct, then the rukur will be correct. So, for example, if a person goes down into rukur, but his back is not straight, he's just bending slightly forward. Okay? His back is curved. Is that complete rukur? Is he meeting the had? No, he's not. Likewise, if a person goes into rukur, the back is straight, However, he's just there for half a second, literally. He goes and he stands up again. Is that correct rukur? Is that proper rukur? No. Because what is missing over there? Tama'nina. So, habdi itmam rukuri wal i'tidali fihi. I'tidal, being straight, balanced, and that refers to straightening the back. Wal itma'nina. Itma'nina, tama'nina, same thing. Okay? And what it means is, as-sukun. That a person becomes still. That any movement that was there before this position, now it is stopped. So before going to Rukur, what was the movement? That a person was coming down. Now that movement has to stop. He has to become still. And it's like when you're driving and you're stopping. Some people when they stop, they make a complete stop. Okay? And other people when they stop, what kind of a stop is it? Rolling stop. So... Rukur, you cannot have a rolling stop. You have to have a complete stop. You stay there for a few, you know, moments, however long, and then you get up. Salah should not be of rolling stops. If you do that, then there's a problem with the prayer. Okay? And itma'nina, to be still. So for this, Imam Bukhari mentions the hadith, حدثنا بدل بن المحبر قال حدثنا شعبة قال أخبرني الحكم عن ابن أبي ليلى عن البراء قال كان ركوع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم He said that the ركور of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم وسجوده and his sajda وبين السجدتين and that which is between the two sajdas What is between the two sajdas? جلسة, sitting position and وَإِذَا رَفَعَ مِنَ الْرُكُورِ And when he got up from Rukur. So which four things have been mentioned over here? Rukur, Sajda, Jalsa, and Standing. Between uh, Rukur and Sajda. So four positions. He said, all of these four positions, مَا خَلَى مَا خَلَى means except for. مَا خَلَى except for. خَلَى means to be Empty, right? Okay. وَإِذَا خَلَوْ So, مَا خَلَى Except for الْقِيَامِ The qiyam, Which qiyam? 
in which you recite Surah Al-Fatiha. And, and secondly, Wal-Qu'ud, and the sitting. Which sitting is this? The Tashahud one. Whether it's the first one or the second Tashahud. He said, all of these four positions, except for these two, okay, so meaning of Salah, these four positions, they were Qariba min sawa They were Qarib, close, min sawa to being equal. Meaning, they were approximately the same length. So what do we learn from this? That the length of Rukur, Sajda, Jalsa, and standing from Rukur, the length of these four positions should approximately be the same. Okay? And the Qiyam, that is not included in this. And the Shahud is not included in this. Why? Because they have to be longer. Why are they longer? Because in Qiyam you're reciting Surah Al-Fatiha, you're reciting other Surah. And in the Qurud, you're reading Tashahud. Right? And, uh, uh, and other adhkar also. So obviously their length will be longer. Now, how does this hadith support the bab? The bab is completing the rukur, i'tidal, itma'nina. How does this hadith show? Because your rukur cannot be the same length as your jalsa. It cannot be the same length as your standing. It cannot be the same length as your sujood. Unless you are reading something in it. Because in all of these other positions, what are you doing? Reading something. And if you're reading something in it, you're saying something in it, it cannot be a rolling stop. It will be such that you come to a complete stop, you have itma'nina, you have irtidal, and you do itmam. You understand now? So, for all of these positions, a person must have itmam, he must complete he must have i'tidal straight and he must have itma'nina. Bab amrin nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam alladhi la yutimmu ruku'ahu bil i'adah. The amr, the command of who? Of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to who? To the one who la yutimmu ruku'ahu who did not complete his ruku' bil i'adah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's amr of i'adah. He commanded him to do i'ada. What does i'ada mean? To repeat. In uttum udna. Okay? Repeat. So the Prophet ﷺ commanded the one who did not complete the rukur to repeat. Repeat the entire prayer. Why? Because rukur is a major rukun of salah. If rukur is not complete, it is as though it has not been performed. And if it has not been performed, it is as though salah has not been performed. You understand? This is why the Prophet ﷺ told him to repeat the entire prayer. If it was okay to not perform the rukur properly, you know, doing two sajda sahab, okay. Or just telling the man, don't do this next time would have been enough. But the Prophet ﷺ told him to repeat. Why repeat? Because the salah was not valid. Why was it not valid? Because rukur was not proper. It was not complete. And what a waste of time if a person is performing salah incorrectly in a manner that is incomplete. He thinks he's praying, but in reality he's not praying. Imagine, a faridah, an obligation is not being fulfilled. It is not being completed. What a big loss. 
So it is important that we pay attention to these details also. What's the evidence of this? حدثنا مسدد قال أخبرني يحيى بن سعيد عن عبيد الله قال حدثنا سعيد المقبري عن أبيه عن أبيه غيرة أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم دخل المسجد that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم دخل المسجد he entered the masjid فدخل رجل and a man also entered فصلى so he prayed who the man he prayed what with salah then he came وسلم, and he greeted the Prophet وسلم, وسلم, the Prophet وسلم, returned to him the greeting فقاله, and then the Prophet وسلم, said Irjir. return, go back فصلي, and then pray تصلي, because you have not prayed فصلى, so he prayed then he came وسلم, He came and greeted the Prophet وسلم, So he said فصلي, And this happened three times ثلاثاً, فقال, So he said بالحق, By the one who has sent you with the truth I do not know any better than this I cannot perform prayer better than that فعلمني, So please teach me قال, He said When you stand up to pray Then do takbir القرآن, Then recite what is easy for you From the Quran Then do rukur Until You become still While in rukur then stand, then then get up, meaning from rukur hatta ta'tadila qa'iman until you become straight, standing. Meaning when you're standing, then you must have irtidal. Meaning you must become straight. Summasjud, then going to sajda. Hatta tatma inna sajidan until you become still in sujud. Summarfar, then get up. Hatta tatma inna jalisan. Until you are still in the sitting position. Summasjud. Then go back into sajda. Hatta tatma inna sajidan. Until you you become still in sajda. Summafa fi salatika kulliha. Then do this in your entire prayer. So what does this hadith show to us very clearly? That tumatnina is of the arkan of salah. It is of arkanu salah. Arkan meaning pillar. Just as Buniyal Islamu ala khumsin, there are five arkan. So if a person does not even fulfill one rukun, so he says, I will fast in the month of Ramadan, I will give zakah, I declare I'm a Muslim, I will even go for hajj, but I'm not going to pray. I refuse to pray. I'm never going to pray. Not Eid, not Jumu'ah, not five daily prayers, I'm not going to pray. So is this Islam valid? Is it valid? No. Because he refuses to pray completely. Not even Jumu'ah, not even Eid. He refuses. He says, Salah is not important. Okay? So, one of the pillars is missing. That means his Islam is incomplete. Over here, what do we see? That Rukur is a Rukun of Salah. Sorry, Rukur is a Rukun of Salah and Tama'nina is also a Rukun of Salah. And if Tama'nina is missing... That rukun is missing, that means salah is not complete. It is not valid. This is just like if a person stands up to pray, he says, Allahu Akbar, and he goes straight into rukun. He's not praying behind the imam, he's praying himself. 
Allahu Akbar and straight into Rukur. He says, oh, it's okay. I'm not going to do Qiyam. Is that Salah valid? Why? Because Qiyam is a Rukun of Salah. Likewise, Tumatnina is a Rukun of Salah. Without it, Salah is incomplete. And Tumatnina is necessary for which position? Every position. Bab ad-du'a fil rukur Ad-du'a supplication, making du'a. When? fil rukur in rukur Meaning when a person goes into rukur what should he say? Should he be silent? Or should he say something? He should say something. What? What do you say in rukur Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim. In rukur you say Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim. Hmm? Now, Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim, what does it mean? You're doing tasbih. You're glorifying Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. You're not really making dua. Hmm? But Imam Bukhari says, Ad-du'a fil-rukur. Meaning, in rukur, in addition to tasbih, you should also make dua. And when you will make dua, then you will come to a complete stop in rukur. Because what happens? People go into rukur, so quickly they say it, they, they don't even become still that they get up. But if you're making dua, even if it is one dua, for example, subhanakallahumma rabbana wa bihamdik, Allahumma khfidli. Then in order to say that, you will definitely come to a complete stop in rukur. Understand? There is a hadith in Sahih Muslim, which says, فَأَمَّا الرُّكُورِ فَعَظِّمُوا فِيهِ الرَّبِّ وَأَمَّا السُّجُودِ فَاجْتَهِدُوا فِي الدُّعَاءِ that as for rukur, فَعَظِّمُوا فِيهِ الرَّبِّ Do ta'zim of your Lord in it. Do ta'zim of your Lord. Glorify your Lord. And this is why we say, Subhanu Rabbiyal Azim. And as for sujood, فَاجْتَهِدُوا فِي الدُّعَاءِ Then make dua. Why? Why make dua in sujood? Because that is the closest position that a person is in to his Lord. Right? So, Imam Bukhari proves over here that Yes, tasbih is necessary in rukur, but at the same time, dua may also be done. And it should be done. Because it's a position of humility. And what better position you know, to make dua in than the position of humility? You know, like when a person raises up his hands and he begs Allah, then Allah is shy to turn away his hands, empty-handed. So if a person is in rukur, he's bending himself. Humbling himself so much before Allah, glorifying Him, mentioning His greatness. So if he makes dua at that time, then chances are that hopefully his duas will be accepted. حدثنا حفص بن عمر قال حدثنا شعبة عن منصور عن أبي الضحى عن مسروق عن عائشة رضي الله عنها. Notice the name Abi Duha, the father of Duha. So Duha. Can also be a name that can be given. So Aisha radiallahu anha she said that Qalat she said can Nabiu sallallahu alaihi wasallam the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam yaqulu he used to say you know you see this word kana and yaqulu so when the verb kana comes before fi'l mudari what meaning does it give always habit he used to. This was his habit. This is what he would do. 
فی رکوعی ان ہز رکور و سجود ہی این ہز سجود ہز رکور این ہز سجود وٹ وڈ ہی سے سبحان ربنا و اللہ مغفرلی سبحان کا سبحان کا گلوریفائڈ آر یو اللہ او اللہ ربنا اور لارڈ و بی ہمدک اینڈ یور پریز اللہ او اللہ اغفرلی فرگیو می سو ان دس اسٹیٹمنٹ ان دس وکر وٹ ڈو وی سی ایگزیکٹلی دیر از تسبیح سبحان کا ربنا و بی ہمدک اینڈ اللہ مغفرلی دعا So both should be done. One may also make dua in rukur because the Prophet ﷺ made dua. But the other uh, hadith of Muslim that I mentioned to you earlier, what does that show? That there should be more dua in sujood. Now, what does this mean? Subhanaka. Glorified are you. What does that mean? Yes, you are affirming Allah's perfection. What does this mean? Subhanakallahumma rabbana wa bihamdik With your praise Bihamdik So for instance we also say Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi What does that mean? Glorified is Allah And with His praise Okay, He's worthy of praise all the time And what does this mean? Wa bihamdihi With His praise What with His praise? That you are glorifying Allah with His praise. You see, there's two things over here. There's tasbih and there's tahmid. Okay? Tasbih is to declare Allah's perfection. Perfection? How? That you are declaring that He is perfect from any deficiency, any naqs, any aib, any fault. Okay? any resemblance to his creation, any uh, you know, association to any partner. He is above any weakness. You are declaring his perfection. So in other words, you're negating anything that does not befit Allah. Any description that does not befit Allah, you are negating that. Whether it is having a child, having a partner, resembling the creation, you know, uh, and any sifa of uh, naqs, so for example, forgetfulness, weakness, okay? So you are glorifying Allah, you are declaring His perfection, how? By negating any imperfection, anything that does not befit Him. But along with that you're saying, وَبِحَمْدِهِ And with this, I also do His hamd. What is hamd? What is hamd? Praise? Okay. But how? Okay, with love, humility. Okay. What is praise? Okay, to mention the perfect qualities, characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Kamal al-sifat. Okay? This is what you are saying. So, وَبِحَمْدِهِ Meaning at the same time, I affirm all of Allah's perfect attributes. I affirm Allah's perfection. So this is complete praise, right? When there is negation of what does not befit Allah, and there is affirmation of what befits Allah. 
This is complete praise. So, Subhanakallahumma Rabbana. Perfect are you, O Allah, our Lord. You are perfect above anything that does not befit you. Wabihamdik. And at the same time, I glorify you, I praise you, I affirm every perfection of yours. Allahumma khfirli. O Allah, forgive me. O Allah, pardon me. Now this is one dua that we learn about that a person can say in his rukur. Do you know this dua? Everybody say it. Subhanakallahumma rabbana wa bihamdik Allahumma ghfirli. So duas for rukur, duas for qawma, duas for sajda, dua for jalsa as well as dua for sajda tilawa. What we are going to look at right now is duas for rukur. Would you like to know or am I burdening you? Huh? Would you like to know? You know, recently we had this short course on uh, Fiqhul Qulub in Urdu. And um, the class was only three days a week. At least twice a week, every day, every class in the morning, 15 minutes they would spend just memorizing these du'as. And within a couple months they memorized all of them. All of them. So I thought, if they can do it, then why should we stay behind? Right? We also want to memorize. So, alhamdulillah, we uh, managed to find all the uh, du'as with the translation. And they've been put together for you. So that your job has been made easier. Where everything is put together in one place. Okay? With the references. <clears throat> so in rukur, what can be said? First of all, Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim. What does that mean? Glory be to my Lord. My Lord. The most great. And this we find in Sahih Muslim. Another dua, which is also reported in Sahih Muslim is, Subbuhun Quddusun Rabbul Malaikati Warruh. This is also a form of tasbih, glorification. That you are the most glorious, the most pure, Lord of the angels and the spirit. Another tasbih, Subhanaka wa bihamdika la ilaha illa anta. This is also in Sahih Muslim. Glory be to you, O Allah, and all praise be to you. There is no true deity except you. La ilaha illa anta. Another, Subhanaka rabbi wa bihamdik, Allahumma ghfirli. Glory be to you, my Lord, and all praise be to you, O Allah, forgive me. Another one, Subhanakallahumma Rabbana wa bihamdika, Allahumma ghfirli. And this is a dua that we're reading over here in Bukhari. Subhanaka wa bihamdika, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka. Glory be to you, O Allah, and all praise be to you. I seek your forgiveness and turn in repentance to you. Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi, astaghfirullah wa atubu ilayka. Glory be to Allah and praise be to Him. I seek forgiveness from Allah and turn in repentance to Him. Another one, Subhana dil jabaruti wal malakuti wal kibriyai wal avama. Glory be to the possessor of greatness, sovereignty, grandeur, and majesty. If you think about it, all of these tasbihat, they are very similar. Right? There is tasbih, there is tahmid, there is istighfar, and Istighfar dua, you know, you're asking Allah for forgiveness. Uh, uh, Tawbah wa atubu ilayh. 
So you might say one is enough then. A person might wonder, if I know one, you know, for example, Subhanakallahumma Rabbana wa bihamdika Allahumma khidli. There's tasbih here, tahmeed here, istighfar here. So it's enough. Why should I learn so many different versions? Is there any benefit? Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, when you change the dhikr, when you read different ones, then it helps you concentrate better. Okay. And? Okay. You can you can read all of them, more of them. You know, for example, you can combine between Subhanahu Rabbi Al-Azim and Subhanakallahumma Rabbana Bihamdik Allahumma Khfidli. Okay. And another benefit? Yes. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is truly worthy of all of this praise and more. If we glorified Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with all of this tasbih, would that ever be enough? No. Never be enough. If the trees were pens and the oceans were ink, then would the kalimat of praising Allah, mentioning His perfection... Could they ever be recorded with those pens and that ink? Never. It would never be enough. So the more we do it, the better it is for us. Another benefit is that we get to follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Because all of these are musnoon. So if he glorified Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if he asked Allah's forgiveness through these words, we want to do that as well. We want to follow Rasulullah wasallam as well. Yes, the first one at least three times minimum. And the rest of them, you can read them as many times as you wish. Okay? And you remember the hadith in which we learned that once the Prophet ﷺ, he was performing the night prayer and his qiyam was long. And when he went down into rukur, his rukur was as long as his qiyam. It was as long as his qiyam. And when he got up, Standing position That was as long as the rukur And when he went down into sajda That sajda was as long as the standing position So each position was The same Of the same length The first time that I heard this I, I was wondering And even now I wonder What did the Prophet ﷺ say? What did he say? He glorified Allah He did the speech he glorified Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, for example, subhanallah wa bihamdihi a hundred times a day in the morning, in the evening. A hundred times. So in rukur, that is the time when we do tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How can we do tasbih if we don't know the different tasbihat? So in order to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala better, in order to worship Allah the way the Prophet ﷺ worshipped Him, the best servant, then we have to learn about the different ways of worship also. How to do tasbih with these tasbihat. Another dhikr which is reported in Sahih Muslim is Allahumma laka raka'tu wa bika amantu wa laka aslamtu khasha'a laka sam'i wa basari wa mukhi wa azmi wa asabi. O Allah, to you I bow and in you I believe and unto you I have submitted Humbled before you is my hearing, my sight, my mind, my bones, and my nerves. Every part of my body is bent and humbled before you. In Sunan al-Nasa'i, we learn, Allahumma laka raka'tu, wa bika amantu, 
ولك اسلمت وعليك توكلت انت ربي خشع سمعي وبصري ودمي ولحمي وعظمي وعصبي لله رب العالمين او الله to you i bow and in you i believe and unto you i have submitted and upon you i rely you are my lord my hearing and my sight my blood and my flesh my bones and my nerves are humbled before allah lord of the worlds another one which is in musnad ahmad allahumma laka raka'tu wa bika amantu wa laka aslamtu anta rabbi khash'a sam'i wa basari wa mukhi wa awmi wa asabi wa mastaqallat bihi qadami lillahi rabbil alamin O Allah, to you I bow, and in you I believe, and unto you I have submitted. You are my Lord, my hearing and my sight, my mind and my bones, my nerves, and whatever my feet carry are all humbled before Allah, the Lord of the worlds. So it is through these beautiful words that we can glorify Allah more and humble ourselves more before Him. And it is through these beautiful adhkaab that a person can draw closer to his Lord. So inshallah next week we will spend some time memorizing these du'as in class. Inshallah. Bab, ma yaqulu al-imamu wa man khalfahu idha rafa'a ra'sahu min al-rukur. Ma yaqulu al-imam. What should the imam say? Wa man khalfahu and those who are behind him. Idha rafa'a ra'sahu when he lifts up his head min al-rukur from the rukur. Meaning when a person gets up from rukur, the imam, what should he say at that time? Should he say Allahu Akbar or should he say something else? And if he says something out loud, the ma'mum, the people who are praying behind him, they're going to hear him. So what are they supposed to say? Haddathana Adam, qala haddathana ibn Abi Dhi'bin. عن سعيد المقبري عن أبي هريرة قال كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا قال سمع الله لمن حمده He said that when the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would say سمع الله لمن حمده and obviously he would say this when from other narrations we learn when he got it from Rukur قال he would also say at that time اللهم ربنا ولك الحمد O Allah our Lord for you is all praise وَكَانَ نَبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِذَا رَقَعَ And the Prophet ﷺ, when he would go down into rukur, وَإِذَا رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ And when he would lift up his head, obviously this means from sajda, يُكَبِّرُ He would say the takbir. Because when would he say takbir? When he would go down into rukur, and when he would get up from sajda. What he said on rising from rukur, it is already mentioned. And what was that? سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدًا وَإِذَا قَامَ مِنَ السَّجْدَتَيْنِ And when he would get up from the two sajdas, قَالَ اللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ He would say, Allahu Akbar. So from this hadith, what do we learn? That on getting up from rukur, the imam says, سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدًا And what does سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدًا mean? سَمِعَ He has heard. Who has heard? Allah has heard. To who? He has heard who? لِمَنْ The one who? حَمِدَهُ praised him. Meaning, whoever praises his Lord, Allah has heard him. Whoever is praising Allah, Allah has heard his praise. 
And this is the time of praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even more. So this is why the Imam, what should he say after this? Some more words of praise. So for instance, over here, what is mentioned? Allahumma rabbana wa lakal hamd. Oh Allah, our Lord, for you is all praise. All praise is due to you. You are deserving of it. You alone are worthy of it. And the ma'mum that heard the imam say, Samir Allahu liman hamidah, should he stay silent? He should also say something. Because these words, Samir Allahu liman hamidah, they are basically an encouragement for us to say tasbih, to say tahmid. Allah is listening to the one who is praising him. So, remain silent? No. Do tasbih, do tahmid. As much as possible. So the ma'mum should also say words of tasbih and tahmid. And over here what is mentioned? Allahumma rabbana wa lakal hamd. So imam, ma'mum, everybody should say Allahumma rabbana wa lakal hamd. This is the bare minimum. Now, the words Allahumma rabbana wa lakal hamd, there are different versions of this. As you have been reading so many ahadith, you have come across many versions. And there are more also. So basically there are four. Four authentic versions of this dhikr. One is Rabbana lakal hamd. Rabbana lakal hamd. Basic. Another is Rabbana walakal hamd. Another version is Allahumma Rabbana lakal hamd. So how is it different from the first one? Just Allahumma at the beginning. And the fourth version is Allahumma Rabbana walakal hamd. How is it different from the second version? Allahumma and? That's it, Allahumma. Because in the second version, there was well. Okay? So, Rabbana lakal hamd, Rabbana walakal hamd, Allahumma, Rabbana lakal hamd, and Allahumma Rabbana walakal hamd. And all of them are sunnah. Because all of them have been reported in authentic narration, so all of them are sunnah. And when all of them are sunnah, and you are able to know all of them, then what is best? That you use them all at different times. So in one rakar you can say, Allah, Allahumma Rabbana lakal hamd. In the second rakar you could say, Rabbana lakal hamd. In the third rakar you could say, Allahumma Rabbana walakal hamd. Okay, so you, you can use different versions. And really, when you are consciously praying, then you will read different adhkar. When you are consciously praying, and when you will read different adhkar, your salah will be meaningful. It will be meaningful. It will be a prayer in which you were alive, awake. You you meant it. You asked for something. You drew closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not just a prayer that was simply performed. Bab fadli, the virtue of Allahumma rabbana lakal hamd. What is the virtue of Allahumma rabbana lakal hamd? Now, many people that just say Rabbana lakal hamd. But we see that there is special virtue of Allahumma Rabbana lakal hamd. And who says Allahumma Rabbana lakal hamd? Who should say it? Imam should say it, Ma'mum should say it, and Munfarid, when a person is praying himself, he should also say it. Everybody should say it. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن سمي عن أبي صالح عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا قال الإمام The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said that when the Imam says سمع الله لمن حمده When the Imam says سمع الله لمن حمده فقولوا 
then you should say, Allahumma Rabbana Lakal Hamd. You should say, the Prophet ﷺ commanded the people, you should say, Allahumma Rabbana Lakal Hamd. فَإِنَّهُ For indeed he, man, whoever, وَافَقَ قَوْلُهُ Whoever's saying, meaning utterance, وَافَقَ It coincided with قَوْلَ الْمَلَائِكَةِ The saying, the utterance of the angels, غُفِرَ لَهُ It will be forgiven for him, مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ ذَنْبِهِ All his previous sins. So what do we learn? That when the imam finishes Surah Al-Fatiha and he says, Ameen, who says, Ameen? Angels say, Ameen. And when the imam says, Samir Allahu liman hamida, then again, the angels don't remain silent. They say, Allahumma Rabbana lakal hamd. And whoever says, Allahumma Rabbana lakal hamd at the same time as the angels, and that will obviously be when? When the imam says, Samir Allahu liman hamida, then what will happen? His previous sins will be forgiven. So if you missed Ameen, then don't miss this. Bab. Over here again, there's no tarjuma, there's no chapter heading. And I told you earlier that when Imam Bukhari does not give a chapter heading, he just writes Bab, then what does it mean? It's a continuation of the previous. Okay? Now, <clears throat> the ahadith that follow, they don't talk about the virtue of Allahumma Rabbana lakal hamd. That's not what those ahadith talk about. But they do mention about the different du'as that can be made when a person gets up from Bukur. So it is almost as though this is a continuation of the bab before the previous. And which one was that? مَا يَقُولُ الْإِمَامُ وَمَنْ خَلْفَهُ إِذَا رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ مِنَ الْرُكُورِ What should the imam and the ma'mum say when they get up from Rukur? So then why did Imam Bukhari put this bab in the middle? Think, use your mind. Which bab in the middle? Bab fadli, Allahumma rabbana lakal hamd. Why did he mention this in the middle? Because before he moved on to other things that you can do in standing position, he wanted to mention the virtue of Allahumma rabbana lakal hamd. Okay? So he mentioned to us the virtue, and now going back to the topic, which is what can a person say on getting up from rukur? What all is permissible? So, so far what have we learned? What is permissible? What is that? Allahumma rabbana lakal hamd. What is that? Hamd. Sami' Allahu liman hamidah. So what should be done? Some kind of hamd. Tahmid should be done. Now, what else is permissible? Haddathana Mu'adh ibn Fadalata. Qala haddathana Hishamun. An Yahya. An Abi Salamata. An Abi Hurayrata. Qala, he said, Abu Hurayrata radhiallahu anhu said, La'uqarribanna. Surely, I am definitely very close to what? Salat al-Nabiyyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The prayer of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Meaning, the way you see me praying, that is how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to pray. Why did he say this? In order to teach people. That pay attention to the details of my prayer. When I place my hand somewhere, it's not, you know, you know just random. When I say something, it's not random. It is because I saw the Prophet ﷺ doing that, and this is the reason why I do it. فَكَانَ أَبُوْ هُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ So Abu Salama, he's saying that this is what Abu Huraira said, and Abu Huraira عنه, he used to يَقْنُتُ He used to do قُنُوت 
fi raka'atil akhirati in the last raka'ah the last raka'ah of which prayer min salatil zuhri of the zuhur prayer wa salatil isha'i and the isha prayer wa salatil subhi and the subh prayer meaning the fajr prayer three prayers are mentioned over here so he would do qunut when in the last raka'ah of these three prayers ba'da after ma yaqulu that he would say sami'a allahu liman hamida meaning on getting up from rukur when he would say sami'a allahu liman hamida he would do qunut and what would he do in his qunut fayad'u he would make dua lil mu'minin for the believers wal'anu and he would curse al-kuffar the disbelievers he would do qunut so what does this show to us that Abu Hurairah must have seen the Prophet ﷺ do qunut in zuhr, in isha, in fajr, in the last rakah. And this is the reason why Abu Hurairah used to do it also. Not every time, but sometimes. Okay? Now, what does it mean by qunut over here? Qunut over here does not mean uh, like the qunut in witr. What is the qunut in witr? The dua qunut. Which one is that? Allahumma dina fi man hadayt wa'afina fi man afayt not that dua what do we learn here fayad'u lil mu'minin wa yal'anul kuffar he would make some dua for the believers for their protection for their success for their safety and he would invoke curse against who the disbelievers why for their oppression for their opposition okay against the muslims and remember that this dua does not have to be very long. It was not necessarily very, very long. Like for example, Qunut al-Vitr, that is long. This dua could be just very short. Simple, short dua. So for example, Ushtud wat'aka alal mudar. That, oh Allah, uh, you know, be, be severe against the tribe of mudar. Because the, the tribe of mudar, certain people of them, they, they were oppressing the Muslims. So just a short dua. Just one simple short statement in which people are mentioned, in which uh, individuals may also be mentioned because from uh, from the ahadith that tell us about the qunut of the Prophet ﷺ, we learned that he prayed against certain individuals or he prayed for certain individuals. Okay? So names of people, names of nations, names of countries may even be mentioned. Okay? So for example, you know, a person might say that dua is being made and in that, people of Pakistan are being mentioned, and people of uh, Somalia and people of Gaza are being mentioned. So, is that appropriate? You don't find these words in the Quran. No, you don't find these words in the Quran. But the Prophet ﷺ, he did pray for individuals against nations. So, mentioning their names in the du'a that is permissible. So, remember that qunut over here. What does it mean? Du'a. Okay. Now, over here, qunut can also be understood as qunut nazila. Qunut nazila. And, which is basically an elaboration of the first point that I gave you. Nazila, what does it mean? It's from nazala. Nazila means to descend, right? So, a dua to avert a disaster that had descended nazala on the Muslims. So basically, at a time of fitna, at a time of trial, Okay, and the fact that the that Abu Rada who prayed Qunut in Zuhr, Isha, uh, Fajr, what does that show? What does that show? That uh, this dua 
it can be made in any prayer. Not just the witr, not just qiyam, qiyamul layl. It can be made in any salah, but the last rakah. Okay? And we see that uh, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he once prayed qunut for almost an entire month. And we also learned that uh, the time when the incident of Bi'r Ma'una took place, where so many companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they were requested to, to travel to a certain place and teach people the Qur'an. And these Sahaba, they were hufals, they had memorized the Qur'an. Okay, And they were not just a few, there were many in number. And they were taken, they went with certain individuals, and when they went on their journey, what happened? That those men, they circled them, they encircled them and they killed all of them. One of the companions he managed to escape. So, and this incident took place near the time when the Battle of Uhud took place. And in the Battle of Uhud, the Prophet ﷺ suffered a great loss. Right? Seventy companions were killed. Over here again, almost seventy companions were killed. So, such a big loss. So many Muslims were being killed. So, at that time, the Prophet ﷺ, he prayed Qunut Nazila regularly. Regularly, almost every day, and in hadith, in this hadith we see that Abu Huraira prayed in Zuhr, in Fajr, in Isha, and we see that uh, this has been the tradition of the Muslims. Uh, so, for example, in uh, the 90, early 1990s, when the Muslims in Bosnia they were being killed, basically persecuted, there was literally a genocide in the Haram in Mecca and Medina. Qunut was performed. Qunut was performed. Why? Because this is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. If the Muslims are suffering, Muslims are suffering, hundreds and thousands of them are killed, then we have to come together and beg Allah for forgiveness, for help, for His mercy. Because we have a Lord who is fully capable, who is the King of the worlds, and we must seek His help to face the enemy whatever that enemy may be. Allah is capable of helping us. We need to beg Him for help. But it is sad that at other times when Muslims are suffering even more perhaps than they suffered at that time, unfortunately, the sunnah is not being followed. The sunnah is not being followed. It is being neglected. It seems like this is jama'ah. Because you can perform as an individual uh, but when people make dua together, together as a jama'ah, then what happens? Huh? When people are coming together making dua, not just one individual, but 50 people are coming, raising their hands, crying before Allah, then would Allah refuse them? Would He refuse them? No. When there is one person raising his hands, asking Allah for something, Allah is shy to turn him away empty-handed. If 50 people come, 100 people come, 1,000 people come together and make dua, then Allah will show mercy. Then He will give help. We have to do something. So from this hadith, what do we learn? That qunut may be performed on getting up from rukur. Okay? But this is when... Last rakah of any prayer. حدثنا عبد الله بن أبي الأسود قال حدثنا إسماعيل عن خالد عن خالد الحذاء عن أبي قلابة عن أنس رضي الله عنه قال he said كان القنوت في المغرب والفجر. Anas رضي الله عنه said that قنوت used to be in Maghrib and Fajr. 
Meaning the Prophet ﷺ would perform qunut in Maghrib and in Fajr. This is what was done at his time. The hadith of Abu Hurairah shows which prayers Fajr, Zuhr and Isha. This hadith shows Maghrib and Fajr. So in total we learn about four prayers from these two ahadith. Which shows to us that qunut is not limited to certain prayers only. It can be performed in any prayer. Any prayer. Whether it is fard or it is nafal. Whether it is in the month of Ramadan or outside the month of Ramadan. Haddathana Abdullah ibn Maslamata an Malikin an Nu'aym ibn Abdullah al-Mujmiri an Ali ibn Yahya ibn Khaladin al-Zuraqiyyi an Abihi an Rifa'at ibn Rafi'in al-Zuraqiyyi Qala he said, Kunna yawman He said, one day we were, Nusalli, we were praying wara'a behind an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam once we were praying behind the Prophet ﷺ, or we used to uh, perform the prayer behind the Prophet ﷺ, فَلَمَّا رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ When he got, when he lifted up his head, من الرَّكَعَةِ From the raka'ah, قَالَ He said, سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَ Obviously, raka'ah over here gives meaning of rukur, not a complete raka'ah. Raka'ah as in the bending, in its literal sense. Okay, in its literal sense. So when he got up from Rukur, one day he said, Samir Allah liman hamida. Qala rajulun wara'ahu. A man who was praying behind him, he said, Rabbana walakal hamd, hamdan kathiran, tayyiban mubarakan fih. He said, Rabbana walakal hamd, our Lord, for you is all praise. And he couldn't stop there. He said, hamdan kathiran, praise that is abundant. Tayyiban, good and pure. Mubarakan fi, blessed. Meaning that is, that will have baqa. Because mubarak also means that will, that which will remain. Meaning I, I glorify you or praise you, praise that will, you know, go on forever. Never ending praise. Falamman sarafa, then when the Prophet ﷺ ended, meaning he finished the prayer, qala, he said, manil mutakallim. Man hu al mutakallim. Who is mutakallim? The one who spoke, the one who speaks. Meaning, who said that? Qala, the man said, Ana, I. Qala, the Prophet ﷺ said, Ra'aytu I saw bid'atan wa thalathina malakan. Bid'atan. Bid'a means some. Wa thalathina and thirty. And bid'a specifically is used for somewhere between three and six. So, some and thirty. So 30 and somewhere between 3 and 6. So somewhere between 33 and 36. You understand? Bid'ah. What does bid'ah mean? Some, few. And the number applies to somewhere between 3 and 6. Minimum 3, maximum 6. So bid'ah and thalathin. What is thalathin? 30. So 30 and bid'ah. What would that mean? 33 to 36. So meaning more than 30. I saw more than 30 malakan angels, يَبْتَدِرُونَهَا They were racing to it. That أَيُّهُمْ Which of them يَكْتُبُهَا He writes it awal first. Why? Because these kalimat were so beautiful that the angels, all of them, they rushed to write, to record these words first. 
who had most right to record, which angel had the most right to record these words? The angel that is appointed to record the good deeds of that person. Right? But we see that besides him, other angels that were <clears throat> present that heard these words, they also rushed to record. Which angels were they then? Okay, the angels that were present in the congregation, in the masjid, witnessing the good deeds. Okay? Yes. You see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has appointed certain angels to go around in the streets and see where people are glorifying Allah, where they are remembering Allah. So when the angels come across a place like this where people are remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what happens? They call each other. They call each other. That Come here, come here. And then all those angels, they attend that gathering and they witness the dhikr, the du'as, the hopes and the wishes of those people. And then they go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah asks them that what do my servants want? What were they saying? What do they ask for? What are they afraid of? So then the angels basically give a report. So many scholars they have said that it was those angels who heard these words and they rushed to write these words first. When is it that people rush to do something first? Okay, because it shows eagerness, right? Eagerness, that you realize how good, how important, how beneficial it is, so you want to be the one who does it first. So every single one of those angels rushed in order to record these words. Now, what words are they? رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ حَمْلًا كَثِيرًا طَيِّبًا مُبَارَكًا فِيهِ Do you know these words? Okay. Now say it with meaning, okay? In salah, when you read these words, realize that you're saying beautiful words. Okay. Are there any other words that we can say when we get up from ruku' after Samir Allah, Riman Hamida? Yes, there are many. Because when you have been prompted, Allah is hearing the tasbih that you do, the tahmeed that you do. Then take advantage of that time, right? So what can we say? This position which is known as qawma, because it is like qiyam, a short qiyam upon rising from rukur. What is it that we say? You have the sheet with you. Allahu liman hamida. Allah has heard the one who has praised him. Allahu liman hamida rabbana walakal hamd. Allah has heard the one who praised him. O oh, our Lord, all praise is for you. Another dua which is in Sahih Bukhari, Samir Allah liman hamidah, Rabbana wa lakal hamd, hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fi. So all these three, we have learned so far in Bukhari. Another one, in Surah Abi Dawood, لِرَبِّيَ hamd. لِرَبِّيَ hamd. What does it mean? لِرَبِّيَ For my Lord, alhamd. All perfect, complete praise. For Him. Meaning, you know, these, these two words, what do they show? What do they show? Okay, love, but also, all praise is for my Lord. Meaning, how can I do justice to His praise? To praising Him? How can I ever do that? لِرَبِّي alhamd. Yes, my Lord. It makes it more personal. In Sahih Muslim, we learned, Samir Allahu liman hamida. Allahumma rabbana lakal hamd mil as-samawati 
Allah has heard the one who praised him. O oh Allah, our Lord, for you is all praise. Praise that fills the heavens and fills the earth and fills whatever else you will. You know like the kalimat of Allah, if they are to be written, even with the oceans as ink and the trees as pens, it wouldn't be enough. So no matter how much you glorify, you praise Him, it's never sufficient. So, mil as-samawat, wa mil al-ard, the fill of the heavens, the fill of the earth, wa mil ama shi'ta min shay'in ba'du. Another version which is in Sahih Muslim, Allahumma rabbana lakal hamd, mil as-samawati, wa mil al-ard, wa ma baynahuma, wa mil ama shi'ta min shay'in ba'du, ahla al-thana'i wal-majdi, la mani'a lima a'tayta, wa la mu'tiya lima mana'ta, wa la yanfa'u dal jaddi min kal-jadd. O oh Allah, our Lord, for you is all praise, as much as the fill of the heavens and the fill of the earth, and the fill of whatever that is between them, and the fill of whatever else you will. You are most worthy of praise and majesty. No one can prevent what you have willed to bestow, and no one can bestow what you have willed to prevent. The wealth of the wealthy one will not help him against you. Nothing can help against you. You are the, the all-powerful the most perfect. In Sahih Muslim, رَبَّنَا لَكَ الْحَمْدِ مِلْأَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمِلْأَ الْأَرْضِ وَمِلْأَ مَا شِئْتَ مِنْ شَيْءٍ بَعْدُ أَهْلَ الثَّنَاءِ وَالْمَجْدِ أَحَقُّ مَا قَالَ الْعَبْدُ وَكُلُّنَا لَكَ عَبْدٌ اللَّهُمَّ لَا مَانِعَ لِمَا أَعْطَيْتَ وَلَا مُعْطِيَ لِمَا مَنَعْتَ وَلَا يَنْفَعُ ذَا الْجَدِّ Our Lord, for you is praise that fills the heavens and fills the earth and fills whatever else you will. You are most worthy of praise and majesty, deserving of what the slave has said, and all of us are slaves to you. You are deserving of what the slave has said. What has a slave said? So far, رَبَّنَا لَكَ الْحَمْدُ And all of us are slaves to you. So every single person, when He glorifies you, you are deserving of that glorification and praise. You know when it comes to people, and they're praised by one individual, and then they're praised by a thousand people, and they're praised by fifty thousand people, you're like, you know what? It's too much of a hype. Hmm? That this person doesn't really deserve all that greatness and all that praise. It's just a hype. But when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He deserves the praise of everyone who praises Him. All human beings, all angels. O oh Allah, no one can prevent what you have willed to bestow, and no one can bestow what you have willed to prevent. The wealth of the wealthy one will not help him against you. Another version in Sahih Muslim, Allahumma lakal hamdu, mil as samai, wa mil al ardi, wa mil amashita min shayin bardu. Allahumma tahirni bil thalji wal baradi wal ma'il baridi Allahumma tahirni min al-dhunubi wal khataya kama yunaqqa thawb al-abyad min al-wasakh O Allah our Lord for you is praise that fills the heavens and fills the earth over here should be fills the heaven because it's sama sky and fills whatever else you will O Allah purify me with snow hail and cold water O Allah Cleanse me from the sins and errors just as a white garment is cleansed from dirt. So clean me, wash me with cold water, meaning my sins, so that no trace of them remains on me. 
And these are the beautiful du'as, adhkar, tasbihat, that the Prophet ﷺ used to say. So inshallah, we should also learn these in the coming weeks. You know, set a goal for yourself that I, I have to memorize at least three, at least four, as many as possible. Alhamdulillah, this uh, one very young girl, about, I think she's only 14 or 15 years old. She once asked me that, what can we say when we stand up from Rukur? So I told her one of these du'as. Next week she came to me, she said, you know, I memorized it. And then a couple weeks later she told me, I memorized all of them. Because I shared this with her, and she said, I memorized all of them. So it's about eagerness. Eagerness, right? Bab al-itma'neenati hina yarfa'u ra'sahu min al-rukur. Itma'neena. Also, tama'neena. Same, same word, just different pronunciations. So, itma'neena, meaning coming to rest. Hina yarfa'u ra'sahu min al-rukur. When a person raises his head from the rukur. Meaning, on rising from rukur, itma'neena uh, is necessary. Meaning, a person must become still. It must not be a rolling stop. It should be a complete stop. And even though this rukun is very short compared to the qiyam, or compared to, let's say, the qurud, still a person must come to a complete stop. Okay? And that is only possible if a person is glorifying Allah. Qala Abu Humaydin, Abu Humayd said, رَفَعَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ The Prophet ﷺ, he raised his head, وَاسْتَوَى جَالِسًا Istawa, he straightened, jalisan, sitting. Here it gives meaning of, you know, being in his firm position of standing. Hatta until Yauda, it returned, kullu faqarin, every faqar, makanahu, its place. So when the Prophet ﷺ got up, whether it was from sajda or it was from rukur, his back would become completely straight, such that every faqar would come to its place. What is faqar? Faqar is, you know, the bones of your spine. Your spine is not just one solid, long bone. What is it? Small, small bones, you know, together. One connected with the other. Your, your vertebra, basically. So, he said that, when he would get up from sajda, when he would get up from rukur, his back would be straight. Istawa jalisan hatta yauda kullu faqarin makanahu, meaning his back would be straight, not bent, okay, not bent forward, or that in a in a rush he didn't even sit properly, he didn't even stand properly. No, his back became straight. And what does that show? A very relaxed, normal standing position. A very relaxed, normal sitting position. This hadith again, it will uh, be mentioned later. حَدَّثَنَا أَبُوا الْوَلِيدِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا شُعْبَةُ عَنْ سَابِتٍ قَالَ كَانَ أَنَسٌ يَنْعَتُ لَنَا صَلَاةَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ He said that Anas used to يَنْعَتُ لَنَا meaning he would demonstrate for us, he would show us what the prayer of the Prophet صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ And when he would do that, فَكَانَ يُصَلِّي Lift up his head from rukur, qama, he would stand, hatta until naqula, we would say qad He has forgotten. Meaning, he's forgotten to go to sajda. He's still standing? Okay, he's gonna go now. Okay, he's gonna go now. What? 
he forgot he was praying? What does it show? Very long. He would stand for a long time. Why would he stand for a long time? Because? Yes, because he was making dua. He was you know, doing tasbih. And definitely this will happen with you. That you know, sometimes you're praying behind an imam. And when they get up from rukur, they're standing. You said, And they're still standing. They're still standing. And you're wondering, what are they saying? Because the standing position should be very short, right? But they're still standing. So the people behind Anas, they would think that Anas has forgotten his salah. He's thinking about something else. Or maybe he's gone to sleep or something. Which shows that he would make a lot of dhikr and dua at this, in this position. And it also shows that he would be standing still. حدثنا أبو الوليد قال حدثنا شعبة عن الحكمي عن ابن أبي ليلى عن البراء رضي الله عنه قال كان ركوع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسجوده He said that the ruku' of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and his sujood وإذا رفع رأسه من الركوع and when he would lift up his head from ruku' And وَبَيْنَ السَّجْدَتَيْنِ And that which is between the two sajdas قَرِيبًا مِنَ السَّوَاءِ Close to سَوَاء Meaning close to being the same. So four things that are mentioned over here. Prostration, sajda. Secondly, rukur. They were similar in length. These two were similar in length. Because if you look at the text, رُكُورُ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَسُجُودُهُ okay. Secondly, وَإِذَا رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ مِنَ الرُكُورُ and when he got up from Rukur and that which was between the two sajdas, that was similar in length. You understand? Now, the fact that they were similar in length, what does it show? What does it show? That the Prophet ﷺ was definitely saying something because we learned from so many ahadith that he said something. If he said something in Rukur, that means he said something in sajda too. If he said something when standing up, he said something between the two sajdas also. And you cannot say those adhkar unless you have come to a complete stop. Unless you have become still. Now what do we see? The fact that all of these positions were similar in their length. That the Prophet ﷺ, his salah, it was very, uh, you know, the, the, the length of the positions, they were very consistent. And this consistency, this is what brings moderation, which brings beauty and ease also. Because sometimes what we do is that our first rukur, very long. So long that uh, when we stand up, we just say, Samir Allah, liman hamida, rabbana lakalham, and we go into sajda. And what happens? One is very long, so we don't have patience to, you know, say anything in another position. So with this there is no beauty and there is no ease either. If we want our salah to be easy, we want to enjoy the prayer, and we also want the salah to be beautiful, then this kind of moderation and consistency is very, very essential. Inshallah we'll conclude over here. Time is up. The next hadith is also on the same topic, which inshallah we will cover next week now. Now you have a weekend coming up. And that means that I should give you at least some homework. Should I? Or should I not? Give you a break. 
in addition to reading all of the ahadith okay yes obviously and if you have not been able to review the previous ones this is a time that you catch up because remember that when we read something once it is not necessary that we will retain it forever but when you review it when you repeat it with more practice there is more chances that inshallah you will retain it okay so this is one uh, homework that you have to review the ahadith secondly i want you to look up the meaning of the word raka'ah and ruku'ah where will you look it up where will you find it hmm dictionary which dictionary which dictionary do you have an arabic to english dictionary huh you have it or you don't have it okay alhamdulillah now that you are doing the advanced course uh you must you must possess an arabic to english dictionary whether it is a hard copy or it is on your phone or it is a website that you use you must have access to to a dictionary okay inshallah i will share a link with you on which there are many different dictionaries on the same page there is a search tool you just put in the root letters in arabic okay or you can even type them in english and what happens is that from different dictionaries that page opens up okay so hands where even lane's lexicon you also have a lot of urdu dictionaries there those of you who do know urdu i think there's also some other language which i couldn't tell what language it was so there's many different languages so i want you to look up the meaning of the word rukur and raka why is it that the word raka was used for rukur what does raka mean the verb raka okay and rukur literal meaning and raka the noun raka what does that mean okay inshallah and uh, i will not ask you to memorize these duas because we are going to spend time doing it but if you would like to start saying at least some of these duas immediately do spend some time reviewing them inshallah okay inshallah I'll see you next week subhanakallahumma bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh